Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Almost half of all Australians have both parents, or at least one of them, born overseas. Despite this high proportion, only 11% of the agricultural workforce comes from a culturally and linguistically diverse background, otherwise known as cowed. This small percentage means that the sector misses out on diverse skills, experience and the ideas that they bring. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and a person who understands this firsthand is Vidora Delpitia, otherwise known in this community as Del. He has a degree in agriculture and he used to manage tea plantations in Sri Lanka. 20 years ago, he made the choice to leave it all behind and bring his family to Australia. Yet despite his education and experience, the first job he could get was washing cars. And then it took a long time until he could get into agriculture. And even then, he started as a farmhand. Now he's helping others from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds get started in the agricultural sector. To find out how, and also what benefits it brings to both the sector and the communities, Del joins us for this AgVic Talk podcast. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Drew. Del, before we go into some of the work that you're doing at the moment, can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? We grew up in Sri Lanka, in the mountains of uh, Sri Lanka. So not in a city, we come from a rural background. So you came from a rural background, and and did you end up doing rural work while you were living there? Yeah, I did. I was managing tea plantations in Sri Lanka, so it was quite rural. So we, as a family unit, we lived and worked in the rural areas in Sri Lanka. Had that been a generational kind of thing? Like, did you you have dad or your grandparents work in tea plantations? (laughs) Yes, true, it it did. So it was uh, the norm for me to join the tea plantation industry. My father, my grandfather from both my father's side and from from my mother's side were tea planters or worked in the tea plantations for a very long time. So it was yeah, normal for me to get back. So agriculture is well and truly in your blood, Dill, but moving to the other side of the world is, I would argue, probably not in your background. So what made you make that decision? The kids were growing up and we had to make a decision whether we are going to send the family off to a nearby city in Sri Lanka while I stay back in the tea plantation. And uh, so we had to make that decision fast and we thought, no, we are not going to separate, stay separate. We'll, we'd rather migrate so that we can stay together. You say that reasonably simply, but I imagine that was a very big decision, Dil. It was true. It was very hard to leave friends and family and the networks behind. Yes, I must admit, honestly, that we were quite excited too to come to a new country. I think the foundations were laid in the tea plantations industry anyway because uh, we get transferred between estates every two or so years. Uh, you don't stay, so you'll be uh, packing, unpacking, mowing, settling down to a new environment is normal during childhood. That's how I grew up. And then while I was working for the veneers in the, in the tea plantation industry as well. So the family was sort of used to it. Yes, I can see in terms of the logistics, you're used to it. But moving to Australia is quite a big move. 
And, you know, what did you arrive with and did you have any connections when you came here? No, Drew, uh, none at all. Didn't have any friends or family in Australia. Uh, it was just uh, through migration agents, uh, the, the mechanism to come. Didn't even have someone to welcome me at the airport when I arrived in Perth. I came first to organize things before the family arrived a month later. So it was a brand new experience from finding a place to stay for a few days or weeks until I find a job, getting from the airport to that place, all that I had to navigate through. That's a lot of pressure, Dill, with the family coming and I assume the need to find a job because I understand you didn't exactly land with a lot of money in your pocket either. (laughs) Yes, that's right, true. I didn't have much money. We were really well looked after. So I was a senior executive in the tea plantation industry in Sri Lanka, well looked after with all the perks, but the lifestyle gets adjusted to that income. We didn't have much saving, so I came to Australia with $5,000 in my pocket. Half of that was borrowed money from friends, and that 5000 didn't go long. I still remember $2,000 to buy a second-hand car, $780 for a deposit for a flat, Bought a laptop for eleven hundred dollars without laptop. That's that's basic in in North Australia for applying for jobs and everything else. And the rest was spent on garage sales, collecting everything to prepare for the family. So you really don't have a lot of margin there for things to go wrong. So you got to find a job. So did you gravitate to what you knew in terms of agriculture? Initially, I didn't. I just went with what was available. I was applying for jobs in various sectors. I was. I just wanted a job. I just wanted that income flowing in fortnightly. So I just went for whatever I could grab. And I, the first job that I got interviewed and selected was washing cars in a, a Nissan and Mitsubishi dealership in Mandra. And I took it. That was within a week of arriving in Mandra, south of Perth. But yes, you are right. I really, really wanted to get back into agriculture. My wife could sense and see that I wasn't happy. I was happy in monetary terms and I had a job and I got promoted in that job. We spent nine months in Mandra, but she could see that. So she was encouraging me to keep applying and I did. I had lots and lots of rejections or or no-shows into agriculture. I applied for various jobs from a worker to supervisor to trainee ships in various ag- agronomic and farms. And I applied for a lot of, uh, but didn't get selected. And then this was one chance that I got from the, this particular advertisement in Victoria that I got picked. What was that chance? I came across this advertisement in uh, online um, for a traineeship on a dairy farm in northeast Victoria in Kajiwo. I think the only difference there was between the other rejections was that this particular didn't have an email, just had a telephone number. So I called and the farm owner from the other side answered and we had this conversation. And he basically said, no, I'm sorry. I need someone with experience. I can't train you. But for some reason, uh, it was a good voice on the other end and he was kind. So sort of kept talking to him and within about a month I think I convinced him to take me in. That's a fantastic story and then again you move your family and so you're working on a dairy farm. Where's the career go from there? Yeah I arrived uh, at the dairy farm quite quite green 
the farm owner had to take me through uh, a lot. Uh, so that's a fairly big jump in skills for me from the beginning. So that transpires back to the family and the pressure. I had really good support from my wife uh, and the children because the, the family as a unit acclimatized and adjusted to a new environment or new society uh, pretty quickly. So that took that pressure off me. But in agriculture, in dairy farming, I had to learn quite quickly. Even though I had a degree in agriculture, I really had to get my skills up from animal health side to machinery side to crops and pastures and fencing, so all that. So I started as a trainee, as a, as a, as a farm hand, and then I grew up to be uh, the training manager and then the manager. And from there, it just upwards, I became the share farmer very soon. And after nine years in Kajibo, uh, building equity and getting ready for the next step. And then they, we came into a equity partnership and bought our farm. Del, that's a remarkable story, which you've compressed into a very short path. But such a leap of faith to come from what sounds like a very comfortable existence for you and well and truly up the career chain to literally come and start your life again as a farmhand. It's a a remarkable story of perseverance, but I think it's probably a pretty common one for people of a cultural and linguistically diverse background coming to Australia and trying to make a fresh start. It is, um, we say, in our networks and circles, in in cultural diverse uh, communities, uh, that we were somebody where we came from and it's that race towards economic stability and that becoming another somebody in the new society is what drives cultural diverse communities in Australia. So my story is quite common within the cultural diverse communities or or newly arrivals in Australia. It's a lot of hard work too, Del, to build that sort of equity and buy your own property in that sort of time frame. You didn't do that by sitting around uh, watching Netflix all the time. <laughs> That's right, Joe. Um, we did two jobs. We saved a lot. We kept our expenses to a minimum. We needed to get there. So farming, dairy farming inspired me, us. I'm one of those lucky ones that my family loves that lifestyle and what comes with it too. I was super supportive. So it was only one way up for me and for us. So we saved, we started building equity through investments in houses in, in locally. Yes, you're right. I would, it's a lot of hard work. I would do a lot of renovations, repairs, upkeeps and maintenance of those houses in my free time, which you don't get much of in dairy farming. And even if you do, your body, yeah, like you are tired. I can remember first couple of weeks um, coming from Sri Lanka, we use our fingers to have rice. And I couldn't, after putting cups on 500 cows, I couldn't come home. And so my my wife had to feed me. From that, from a very small thing to building equity and and to to get there no funds arrived from sri lanka this was all what we we built or we 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 saved ourselves that goes to growing our own vegetables to cutting our own firewood and not buying firewood that didn't stop there so our cultural competency for us 
within that community included volunteer work too. So if the kids are playing football, Aussie rules, I'll be there. I still don't know the game, but I was in the club and I, when we left Kajiwo, I was managing our sponsors, uh, Gates and all that. So it's, it's that acclimatization and uh, adjustment that you make very quickly. You use the term cultural competency in there. What do you mean by that? If I put it out simply, Joe, it's about your story. We all have a story to tell. And it's about how we connect with that story with someone else's. And by making that connection, it's about the richness and creativity it brings uh, to society or, or to the workplace. That's something you're understandably very proud of. Indeed, so much so that it's now part of your professional life. In dairy farming, I didn't see many culture and linguistically diverse people in the industry. And uh, then subsequently, I didn't see many others in the other industries either. So that got into the drive, finding out why isn't culturally diverse people engaging in agriculture or treating agriculture as a transitional industry, uh, which we see quite commonly. For example, in the Australian agricultural workforce, only about 11% are from a cultural diverse background, uh, despite uh, many new, newly arrivals in Australia come from an agricultural background or have or want to pursue a career in agriculture. You point out very well, Dale, that we have a very low percentage coming into agriculture despite their background and despite the rates coming into the country. So how are you helping in that space? Through uh, Agriculture Victoria, through the Smarter Safer Farms program, what we are looking at is what are the gaps in that engagement and understanding about those gaps and some of the strategies to overcome some of these gaps of cultural diverse people. Sometimes in, in some workplaces, cultural diverse people or new arrivals have this reluctancy to put their hand up to progress through their careers. Hence, we don't find many cultural diverse people in the leadership in agriculture in Victoria and also in managerial positions. So what we're doing is piece of social research into finding those gaps and then to work with industry to work through some solutions, targeted solutions. I read a wonderful article about you and your principle, and it's kind of basically pay it forward. So how are you applying that on a personal basis? Beyond the strategy and the policy, how does that work for you on a daily basis? The community in Kajiwo took us in, no questions asked taught us what we know today. Um, the dairy industry took us in, not only the farm owner who was my employer and also my educator, not only that farm owner, but the others in the dairy farming community in and around Kajiwo and Koryong. So everyone taught us something from how to come to a barbecue if you are invited, how to get to a party, to a school bus. So the, the, the society took us in and taught us a lot of things and it still does. So that's how we embrace and we inculcate cultural competency and awareness uh, within ourselves as a family unit. So how do I give that back to the dairy industry uh, in Victoria? That's where my passion is. Usually on a dairy farm, it's about 25% the labour cost, quite a high cost for a dairy farmer. So me having networks within the uh, Cal communities across Victoria through those networks. If I can get that message out 
or if I can help industry promote dairy farming into those communities, what a great industry this is, or it could be horticulture. So help industries promote uh, the opportunities that exist within the industries. That's really important. Uh, newly arrivals may or may not have that awareness of career opportunities because like myself, uh, it's that race towards economic stability that is driving some people. And once they are established, then they're reluctant to move unless that career pathway is shown. So that's some of the work that I'm doing. Uh, for example, at, at the farm, myself and my wife, we used to invite uh, and have sessions at our house. People will come from Aubrey, Wodonga, Wagga Wagga for the day. There could be about 15 or 20 people, uh, multiple cars will come. We will feed them and some will come with bring a dish and we will feed them. We will take them through the farm. They'll see me as it is. I will have smelly clothes on after milking and I'll have, they will see me going up and down if I'm working, if I'm on duty, feeding calves. They will see me as, as it is and they will take that message. That's how cultural diverse people work. It's that trust they build and the word of mouth. So through that, it's about getting that message out to the Sri Lankan community out there to say, come join this industry. Uh, and then I, we, we will talk openly with them about savings we make and how, how did we come up with that deposit to buy this house. So that's what we did. And I can see in a different way or in a, in a different form, that's the same thing I'm still doing in my job. That's a fantastic first-hand experience. And I guess they see that you've managed to achieve that and then they're encouraged to progress further up, which is the core of what you're talking about, beyond just building a life initially in a community. It's about having called champions. Uh, when I say champions, it's about someone from that community being in a particular industry. So having your champion, uh, that is having someone to relate to or to speak to. How do I get, get there? What do I have to do pre and post? When I get there, what's the pathway for me to progress? What do I have to bring? Do I have to have degree? So all those, so having a champion in an industry is really important for a cult community. So some of the things that industry could do at the moment is to encourage some of those champions and for them to have pathways or career progression within that industry or the business. Del, beyond that, what are some of the innovative solutions employers can implement to help employees feel safe and welcomed into their businesses? When we talk about diversity, inclusion or cultural competency and awareness, it is a process that a workplace has to go through. If you look at uh, some of the examples, like the work has to be meaningful for the workers. Businesses can look at uh, why this particular employee is unique and how can I fit this employee to my workplace? That's how it happened with me. Uh, my uh, employer looked at myself and looked at what do I bring to the business rather than fitting me as a milker uh, in the shed. So workers doesn't have to be a standard fit for a business. It's also about what's important for the employee. What is important for an employee, it's about why do you go to work? Are you able to make decisions at, at your workplace or contribute to? Are you bringing your whole self to work? So it, it's some of those adjustments that the workplace will need to make. Um, we are living in a world where we are experiencing the rise of the conscious consumer or, or businesses are, have to have corporate responsibilities. 
So how supportive is the management to the workplace? Uh, how positive is the working environment uh, for inclusion and diversity at the workplace? It's about people wanting to balance what matters most uh, in their lives. So I'm talking about employees. What's important to the employees? Is the workplace humanistic? Uh, is there a culture of recognition in the workplace? Uh, and having empathy uh, against sympathy in the workplace. So it's not a process that the manager or the farm owner only can go through. It's about the entire workplace going through this process of uh, inclusion. So what it will bring is that trust towards the leadership at the workplace. Del, you talked there about business, what businesses need to do, but what needs to be done in the community? How important culturally appropriate resources and, and housing in those areas? It's about accessing those services that are available. For example, if s- someone wants to move to a regional area, wants to find out about housing or how do I apply for jobs, resumes, to translation services. So those services are available, whether it's at that regional uh, town or nearby, or uh, if that person is in Melbourne, those services are available. It's about accessing some of those services. On the flip side, if we look at the broader community, yes, it's a, it's a journey for the community as well, from the school teachers uh, to the bus driver who's driving that child to the sports or the swimming pool or the football club. Um, you are, uh, as a culturally diverse person, uh, going into Kajiwo, out of about 700 people living in Kajiwo, we were the only, or there could have been, say, two or three families from culturally diverse backgrounds. So you are taking that community through a journey too. So so that's a responsibility that you have to carry too to educate. For example, uh, walking uh, into the green grocer looking for veggies, yes, they may not have the vegetables that they're used to. So it's about taking that, having that conversation with the green grocer and saying, is there a possibility that once a week you could bring some of these vegetables for us? That's an aha moment for that business as well. So yes, it's not only one family being employed at a business, it's about that whole community taking that pathway. Well, Dell, it sounds like you've done an amazing job of helping take your own community on that pathway and now helping so many others follow the same path. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your story with us on this AgVic Talk podcast. Thank you very much, Drew. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.